Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavuta Yerdena Osband. Our daf of the day, Masaka Kiddushin, daf Ayin Gimel, page 73. So you recall that our Mishnah, a few Dabim ago, right, talked about these different um, levels of potential blemish to a person's status. We talked about imams, or we talked about uh, Lutin, we talked about uh, Stuki, we talked about Nasufi. So I this is where the Gemara is gonna address, right? I mean it's working off of the Mishnah from then. And we have several different discussions going on. Echad Ger Vechad Evid, I'm on Ahmad Aleph towards the top, but maybe towards the middle. Echad Ger Vechad Evid Meshukra Vechalal Mutarin Bukohenet. So the statement of a Tosefta says, meaning as opposed to the Mishnah, that we have a convert, we have a, a slave who's been freed, we have a halal. Right, the person who's the progeny of a Kohen and, and a relationship that's not permitted to the Kohen, all of these people could marry the daughter of a Kohen. That's the statement from the from the Tosefta. Messiah Rav. This opinion supports what Rav said. The Amarav Yehuda Amarav Lo They the statement is that those who are Kshirot, those who don't have any concerns of their lineage, um, were not prohibited from marrying those who themselves were disqualified from marrying Kohanim, right? They can marry a Bat Kohen, just not a Kohen. Fine. Um, that's an important distinction. And of course, there's going to be all kinds of halachic discussion about this if you delve in. We're going to keep going. Darash Rabbi Zeyra b'machoza. So Rabbi Zeyra was in Machoza. He taught as follows. Ger mutar b'mamzeret. He said a convert can marry a mamzeret. A mamzeret being the a female mamzer, right? And then what happened? They did not like this. Ragmuhu kule alma They stoned him with their etrogim, meaning apparently, right? There were there were converts there, and they took this to be an insulting kind of statement, right? Like, who are you saying that a co- that a ger can marry a a mamzer? It sounds like, um, you know, the mamzer is not good enough for, for kahal Hashem. Why? But nebuch the, you know, those unfortunate people, those those. Converts they could marry. Uh, the etrogim is a motif. Like there's several different times that you'll see stoning with etrogim. Um, we're not going to take the time to delve into it now, but it's worth paying attention to. This is not the first or only uh, or second or third time that I've seen it. I'm a Rava. So now what happens? Rava says, So Rava says, hang on. Is there anybody who's going to talk about this in a place where you have you know, converts in a common kind of way. Like, there's actually a preponderance of converts. This is what you're going to say. Darish Rava b'machoza. So now Rava says, in, like, the point being that that Rabbi Zeir should have been more careful. He should have paid attention to his audiences. So now what does Rava say? Rava himself explicated in Machoza. Ger mutar b'kohenet. And what he taught was that a ger can marry uh, the uh, the daughter of a kohen. Right, which sounds like a step up, so that should you know make everybody happy, all the all the gay women happy. And what happened? They carried him on silk, right? Meaning again, if if stoning with a drogim is the negative reaction, like what we now would say, you know, throwing rotten tomatoes, this is you know an elevation um, uh, of pride. Hadai darish lahu, and so then what happens? He taught again a different time. And they said to him, you know, you already said this. You can't, you, you, we don't have the same patience for the second time you're going to talk about it. You, 
you we honored you for the first time you talked about it. And so he says to them, I've done for you what's good for you. Meaning, if a convert wants to, he can get married, right? He can marry those who have this, you know, unblemished lineage. And if he wants to, he could also marry a mamzeret. Meaning, he's, Rav is trying to be, on the one hand, diplomatic, and on the other hand, true to the halacha. Um, in a way that does not insult the population that's listening to him. So the Gemara concludes, Indeed, a convert can marry uh, the daughter of a Kohen, and a convert can marry a mamzer, so a female mamzer. Again, the rationale is that there's no warning against the daughter of a Kohen marrying those who have a blemished lineage. And the reason that he, um, such a person can marry the mamzeret, the convert can marry the mamzeret, is according to the opinion of Rabbi Yossi, um, who says that the congregation of converts is not considered a congregation, so then you don't have a problem with that marriage. Yardina, you talked about Rabbi Yossi the other day. Um, okay, I'm going to just very, very quickly just touch on um, the Stuki case, which is the next bit that the Gemara addresses. There's Elohim Stuki Kol Shemakir, it says these are the two categories. One is the shuki is the one, the a person who knows the identity of his mother or her mother, but not the identity of the father. And Yordana, you've encouraged me to be very explicit with this. We want to note that this is a halakhic category that um, it, it doesn't just mean um, it, it doesn't. It, it it has to be truly an unknown personage. Meaning, for example, we talk about sperm donors nowadays and. It's true that those who use a sperm donor, the adults who use a sperm donor, do not know the identity of that donor. Likewise, an egg donor. But, I mean, mostly. But, but um, the banks, right, the sperm banks, the egg banks, they know. The information is out there. The information is available. And frankly, nowadays, we've got DNA testing. It's a whole different kettle of fish. Back in the day, though, the a woman could end up being raped or maybe being promiscuous and having multiple partners and not knowing who the father is and not having a way to check, right? Nowadays, the real difference is that we have ways to check. Um, as I say, DNA testing really changes everything. So that's the case of the Shtuki. And here, I just want to note Rava again. I'm a Rava. According to Rava, according to the Torah law, a Shtuki can marry, you know, within the congregation. And why? Maitana? Because most people are fit to have, to, are, are most people that the mother would have slept with would have been acceptable, permitted people for her to sleep with to begin with. The odds on it being a forbidden relationship are less likely, and therefore you don't have to rely, meaning it's statistics. But the point is that a lot of halacha, this kind of halacha, relies on most stats. So that by itself is an interesting thing, meaning Rava is, is koshering, is, est- is establishing that a shtuki is, is kosher even without DNA testing. So again, there's, there's ways even when there's really no, no information. And as I say, in today's world, it's virtually impossible to have no information. Yeah, and I think that's what's interesting is, you know, often we look at halakhic categories that are from the Mishnah, from the Gemara, and we say, okay, how can we apply them today? And I think this is actually a particular category where medical technology makes it in a way, um, it almost takes takes it away. Even if you had found a child, you could do DNA testing on it, right? So I think, you know, these categories 
would really, you know, have to be how they would be applied, uh, you know, is really not so clear. Um, okay, I'm going to move on uh, to our other category, which is the uh, which is the Asufi. And remember, the Asufi, um, uh, we're going to make a, a couple of comments about here, right? The the Shituki cannot can is allowed to marry, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a you know Israelite with good lineage only by rabbinic law. And so now, you know, we have to talk about what 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 is the story with the. Uh, with, with the Asufi. Remember, a Sufi is we don't know who either parent is, okay? And so since we don't know who either parent is, there's a suspicion that this person could be a mamzer. But I'm a rabbi. So rabbi says, Devar Torah Asufi Kasher. According to the biblical law, an Asufi could marry an Israelite, okay, with any, with, you know, who has no unblemished lineage. My time, what's the reason? Eshet ish tolech. A married woman attributes an illegitimate child to her husband and wouldn't abandon him. My Eka, so what what is the other possibility, right, that would make the Asufi unfit? There is a minority of women who only were betrothed, they weren't fully married, and the minority of women whose husbands went overseas, okay, so in other words, these women can't say that their offspring came from their husbands, right? Because she, you know, a betrothed woman really wasn't allowed to have any type of sexual relationship with her husband. And if somebody's husband went overseas for an extended period of time, she also can't say that that child is from her husband. And so these are women who could maybe, uh, you know, abandon their children. And so we could say that there is a suspicion that in a Sufi, uh, could actually be a mamzer, right? Whereas what the first option he's giving is, is that a married woman, she'll just say that, it, uh, an you know, even if it's an illegitimate child, she's just going to say, no, it came from my husband. But these cases, you you couldn't get away with saying that it was from your husband. right? But because they're also married women, right, who can have children who we know are not mamzerim, and they also could abandon them, and they do abandon those children sometimes, and also there are sometimes those who abandon their children because of starvation. They can't afford to feed them. Have plaga upaga, right? There is no, there's sort of an even chance that this Asufi is a mamzer. In other words, it, we don't know which category this baby would fall into. Could be a mamzer. It could not be a mamzer. There could have been other reasons that this baby could have been abandoned and not nothing, and this baby's not a mamzer. Right. So the Asufi isn't forbidden to marry uh, an Israelite with an unblemished lineage because the Torah says a mamzer shouldn't come into the kahal of into the congregation of Hashem. Mamzer vadaihu, the lo yavo, ha mamzer suffik yavo. Right. But this pasuk teaches us it's only a first, a definite mamzer, but an uncertain mamzer could enter. So, in other words, this is reading this pasuk in a very, very kind and thoughtful way. Right. We only say this about. Uh, a certain mamzer, but one where there's a suffix and these are Sufis are, it's a suffix. It's not clear. It's inconclusive. The kahal badaiku de lo yavo, hapa kahal suffix yavo. So we only don't let it into the congregation when it's certain that he's a mamzer, but if it's a suffix, we allow it. So the Mishnah now has to explain why our, uh, Rava now needs to explain why our Mishnah says that from a rabbinic level, the Asufi is forbidden to marry an Israelite of an unblemished lineage. Right, umatam ermu asufi pasul shama yisa achoto me avid, because here the concern more is is that 
he might marry his paternal sister. Okay. And that's really, uh, that, that becomes a question. Now where this does apply with, uh, with Jewish law is that, you know, there don't become questions. Again, we are not, I'm not giving any halakhic decision. I just want to talk about <laughs> some of the things that are considered is that when we talk about things like donor egg or donor sperm, that actually those should not come from Jewish donors. That's one of the thoughts so that this concern, right, that a child who's born like that wouldn't accidentally marry a half sibling. Okay, but this is like, well, I'm gonna. I just want to. I just want to add a caveat. I'm sorry. Yeah. The donor egg is a little bit of a different situation because correct. There's now a machloket that was never a machloket before. A dispute that was really always 100% agreed upon. So it annoys me. I'm saying very publicly that the fact that something was agreed upon and became a machloket I find annoying. But um, the idea that the child born of a Jewish mother, whoever's egg it was, was always going to be a Jewish child. Now there's some humphering. Maybe we need to worry about the identity of the egg donor, but for the most part, the psak halacha is really, you know, born of a Jewish mother from the, pardon me, loins of a Jewish mother, from the womb of a Jewish mother, regardless of how the the donation took place. Correct. However, the, like, not- we're getting way beyond the scope of a once of an everyday Daphne podcast, but we're just raising some of these, you know, just, it's good to know that some of these issues do exist. And th- this could be a Gemara that would be used uh, you know, when, when we're trying to examine uh, some of those actual uh, halakhic issues. Okay, we'll just do a little bit more of the Gemara here. Okay, so then it goes on to question this. Right, so if so, then a Sufi should, ne- should never be permitted to marry any Asufi. In other words, there should always be a concern with any Asufi, right? Uh, maybe they're going to marry someone who's a half-sibling. So the Gemara says, We assume that all these women who abandoned their children continue to bear their children out of wedlock and abandon them. In other words, it's not like a woman has abandons multiple children, right? So we're not worried that like there's going to be that many Asufis from one woman. In other words, one woman might have one child she abandoned, but she's not going to abandon multiple babies. So the Gemara again goes back to Rava's reason, bat asufi lo yisa, right? But an asufi shouldn't be allowed to marry the daughter of an asufi. Shama yisa achoto, because maybe he would marry his sister. Ella lo Rather, you would say the rabbis didn't for, you know, forbid the marriage of an asufi to the daughter of an asufi because it's really uncommon. Habanami lo And here too, they wouldn't forbid the marriage of an asufi to somebody uh, of, of pure lineage because it's of pure lineage because it's also uncommon. So, in other words, the point is, all of this doesn't seem to make sense about why the rabbis did say that an Sufi cannot marry an Israelite, okay? Rather, it's that they set a high standard for genealogical issues. So, in other words, basically saying they wanted to protect, uh, you know, some type of, you know, they, they, they wanted to maintain some sort of integrity when it comes to genealogy, okay? Whether we like that, whether we agree with that, but that is the idea. And then the Gemara from here lists, and it's very interesting. I'm not going to read it all inside, but a whole um, description of different things with uh, babies, if they're found circumcised, if they're found with their limbs straightened, uh, if they're found that they were massaged with oil, right? Uh, these are all things that would say they're not sort of in the, the category of an Asufi. Um, because like, for example, the circumcision one is that if they were really illegitimate, 
the parents would not be bothered to circumcise him. So if they're circumcised, it's obvious that he must have been abandoned because of poverty. And therefore, we can assume that he actually is legitimate and can marry, you know, a, a, a regular Israelite. So, the, you know, I'm not going to read all of it just for sake of time. But each of these are just very, very interesting because they sort of just all show a certain type of concern that the mother had for the child um, that would sort of seem to indicate that this just not was not just sort of like a baby who was abandoned, but this was a baby who was cared for. Okay, and then they also give some things where they say, no, that we do consider it, even if you find a baby with this, uh, we do consider it. Uh, that it is an Asufi. Um, so, you know, just pay attention to that as well. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very interesting discussion. I mean, it's all these things, like if it's found in a date, you know, in a, in, in date, you know, in a, in a place where you store date pits, if it's found by the bank of a river, if it's, you know, so, so it's interesting to see sort of, even within the category of Asufi, right, the, the Gemara sort of comes here and sort of really limits what type of found baby would even fall into that category. Um, I just want to make one other caveat, which is that all of this, I think, to modern Western ears sounds kind of extreme, right? Like, let people marry who they want to marry. This is a kind of a mantra of, of the modern era. And Halakha doesn't quite go that far. You know, like they're working hard to allow more people to marry more people. I think we see that effort on this stuff, but not to say, yeah, whatever, whatever, you know, love conquers all. It's not a halakhic construct in that way. Right, right, exactly. And, uh, you know, it's just, I think it's also like interesting to see, like, you know, today we have like those safe haven things for baby, you know, babies to be dropped off in America. Like issues of like, you know, women feeling that they could not take care of babies or things like that are not new. You know, they, they've always been an issue that there are unfortunately very sad that like there were parts of society that just could not care for their child. And I think also the whole idea of this illegitimate piece, uh, you know, to me, what's like missing from this page is the idea that women could have been like abused or raped and that could have been the source of the child. And I, I don't know. It was very striking to me that that was like sort of missing from this staff. Like that also must have been a reason why some of these children were abandoned. And that's not entertained at all here. I think I think part of that might also be let's focus on the status of the child and not that open question of how could anybody ever do this, leave a child. Right. I mean, I can imagine, sadly, we could think of many different circumstances where, you know, violence could tear a child and a parent apart. and we can understand, as you say, right? A rape, maybe somebody doesn't want to, the child even as a reminder, et cetera. The, nothing, nothing that leaves a, a parent to leave a child is like, you know, sweetness and light and happy things. Yeah, exactly. But I, I just, I don't know. There's a piece of, I guess this is a time where I'm feeling like the woman's experience in this, like what would lead somebody to abandon a baby that woman's voice is really this is one of the places where you really feel it's missing from the pages of the daf i agree i really agree that's our daf discussion for the day rank us review us on all major podcasts thank you to reverend michelle farber for hosting us on the hundred website let us know what you thought about this stuff on our talking time and facebook page and until tomorrow go and learn <music>